The evolution of higher education in the ancient world led to variations of standards in different cultures. In ancient Egypt, higher education originated from copying religious texts for use in temples which led to the development of theology and medical practices, as medicine was closely associated with religion at the time. Later, the ancient Greeks developed a somewhat more inclusive system of education aimed mostly at freemen for the sake of knowledge itself in the areas of mathematics, music and astronomy. In the 4th century BC, the philosopher Plato put forth the idea that education should not only be public and obligatory, but also that women should be allowed full access to it. In the early history of Islam, from the Prophet Muhammad's first revelations in 610 CE until the disintegration of the Rashidun Caliphate in 661 CE, women were allowed full access to higher education in which they were very active. For example, Aisha bint Abi Bekr, 613-678 CE, one of the wives of the Prophet Muhammad, was among the prominent Islamic jurists of her time. She was involved in a number of political events after the death of the third caliph, Uthman ibn Affan, 579-656 CE and was also the initial source of many hadiths, record of the traditions or sayings of the Prophet Muhammad, revered and received as a major source of religious law and moral guidance. Although certain restrictions were later applied to them by the feudal dynasties succeeding the great caliphs, Many daughters and wives of rich men were still allowed to receive educations, teach others and sponsor educational institutions. One such woman was Fatima al-Fairi, the founder of the University of Al-Karawiyan, in modern Fez, Morocco, a university founded in 859 CE and recognized today by UNESCO as the oldest existing and continuously operating university, as well as the first institution to issue educational degrees. The oldest university of the world, Al-Karawiyan University in Fez. The University of Al-Karawiyan, first founded as an extension of a mosque, was an important center of education and one of the most respected universities in the world. It is also host to the oldest library in the world where, on an old slate, the name Fatima al-Fairi is inscribed in fine but jaded Arabic prints. The courses offered by the university were free and wide-ranging, they included music, geology, astrology, grammar, chemistry, medicine and mathematics, directed for Muslim, Christian and Jewish students. The university attracted a number of sultans and wealthy merchants who wished to grant their children first-class educations. These sultans and merchants became patrons of the university and lavished subsidies, gifts and treasures on the institution, particularly books and manuscripts which were in short supply in the 9th century. University of Karawiyan Fountain the collection in the library includes a treatise on the Maliki school of Islamic jurisprudence written by the grandfather of the Arab philosopher Ibn Rajd and a 9th century version of the Quran, written in ornate Kufic, the oldest form of Arabic calligraphy, on camel skin. The library also has an original copy of Mugadima, the most important Islamic history of the pre-modern world written by the 14th century Arab scholar Ibn Khaldun and a 12th century treatise in astronomy by philosopher Al-Farabi which shows the course of the planet Jupiter. Not confining their collection to Islamic writings, the library also hosts a rare 12th-century copy of the Gospel of Mark in Arabic. The University of Al-Karawiyan is also known for its famous graduates from a wide range of faiths and backgrounds, which include the jurist Ahmad ibn Idris al-Fasi, 1760-1837, a distinguished Muslim thinker of his time, 
the historian Ibn Khaldun, 1332-1406, geographer Muhammad al-Idrisi, 1099-1165, famous author and traveler Leo Africanus, 1494-1554, Maimonides, 1138-1204, the Jewish rabbi and philosopher and Gerbert of Aurillac, circa 946-1003, who later became Pope Sylvester II. The Great Mosque of Kairouan, also known as the Mosque of Yukba, Great Mosque of Sidi Yukba. Fatima Alfairi was born in Karawan, in present-day Tunisia, which was ruled by the Aglabid dynasty under the Abbasid Caliphate during the 8th and 9th centuries, who brought peace to the region of Frakia and conquered Sicily. She was one of two daughters of a merchant named Muhammad Alfairi. Although retellings of Fatima's life often say that she came from humble beginnings, Muhammad Alfairi was already wealthy merchant even in Karawan. In the early 9th century CE, when he took Fatima and her sister Maryam from Karawan to the city of Fez in Morocco, they were essentially leaving one paradise in order to create another as, during the rule of Idris II, 802-828, Fez was already a bustling metropolis. Therefore, the family traded a good life for an even better one. Fatima was well-versed in classical Islamic learning such as fiqh, jurisprudence, and hadith which indicates her father's affluence. After the deaths of their husbands and father in short succession, Fatima and Maryam received sizable inheritances which assured their financial independence. City of Fez, Morocco Observing that the local mosques in Fez could not accommodate the growing population of worshippers, many of whom were refugees from Spain, Maryam sponsored the Andalusian Mosque in 859 AD which still stands today. For her part, Fatima began buying properties adjacent to the mosque, thereby significantly increasing the size of the mosque to found the Al-Karawiyan Mosque in university. Fatima and Maryam were not the only women who used their resources and influences to sponsor buildings for their communities. Before their endeavor, Zubayda bint Abu Jafar, the wife of Harun al-Rashid, 766-809 CE, the fifth Abbasid Caliph, embarked on a massive project to build service stations with water wells all along the pilgrimage route from Baghdad to Mecca. The Zubaydah Water Spring, Ain Zubaydah, in the outskirts of Mecca was named after them. Daifa Katun, 1186-1242, was the queen of Aleppo, Syria, for six years during which she faced threats from Mongols, Seljuks, and Khwarezmane. Despite these threats, Daifa was a prominent architectural patron and founded two schools, the Al-Furda school which specialized in Islamic studies and law, boasting several buildings which included the school, a residential hall for students and a mosque, and the Kanka school, which was located in Mahalat al-Frafira. The courtyard of the Madrasa Ferdos or School of Paradise. It was built by Daifa Katun, widow of Sultan al-Zayr Ghazi in 1234-7. She was regent at the time for her grandson, al-Nasr Yusuf II, are 1242-60, and had taken a particular interest in encouraging Sufi mysticism. Hurm Sultana, also called Roxolana, was captured during the Crimean Turks raids on Ukraine during the reign of Yavuz Sultan Selim and presented to the Ottoman palace as a slave. She became the most beloved concubine of Suleiman the Magnificent and later became his chief consort. Her royal position enabled her to found a number of institutions, including a mosque complex in Istanbul and the Haseki Kuliye complex, which consists of a mosque, a school and an emirate, public kitchen. She also built a sift hammam, double bathhouse with separate sections for men and women, two schools and a women's hospital. She also commissioned the building of four schools in Mecca and a mosque in Jerusalem. 
the prayer hall of the Madrasa Firdos or School of Paradise. It was built by Daifakatun. The first known reference to Cleopatra of Egypt by an Arab historian is found in Ibn Abd al-Hakam, Futa, 40-41, who wrote his history of the Muslim annexation of Egypt in the early 9th century CE. This reference provides one with a different depiction of a powerful woman to the more familiar Greco-Roman sources, which presented her as a hedonist and seductive woman. The Arabic image of Cleopatra referred to her as a strong and able monarch, making no reference to her morals or seductive powers. A possible reason for this is that, from the early years of Islam, women's contributions in their society were freely acknowledged even by men. In his book A.I. Firist, scholar Ibn al-Nadam names women with a varied range of skills. Two of these women were grammarians related to the use of the full range of excellence of the Arabic language. There was a woman scholar of Arab dialects, whose origin was among the tribes, and another, acquainted with tribal legends and colloquialisms. He also mentions a third woman who wrote a book about rare forms and sources of verbal nouns. One of the many contributions in literature by women came from an 11th-century professor Maryam bint Abu Yagub, who wrote satiric epigrams and was known for her biting wit. She made her home in Seville, one of the cultural centers of Islamic Spain. Um also de Alaskandaraya was born into a poor family in a town called Bandayaraya, one of the towns of the larger city Munyafia in the north of Cairo. She was afflicted by blindness shortly after her first birthday and, as was the practice of many in rural areas in dealing with blindness, her family sent her to learn the Quran. She became famous for her familiarity with Muslim tradition. Labana of Cordoba was an Andalusian intellectual and mathematician of the second half of the 10th century famous for her knowledge of grammar and the quality of her poetry. Originally a slave girl of Spanish origin, her vast acquaintance with general literature obtained her employment as the private secretary to the Caliph al-Hakam II. Although the first nurse of Islam is officially recorded as Rufayda bin Sa'd al-Islamiyah, names of other women were also recorded as nurses and practitioners of medicine in early Islam. Nusayba bin Kab al-Mazaniya was only one of the Muslim women who provided nursing services to warriors at the Battle of Uhud. Amshinan al-Islami asked and received permission from the Prophet Muhammad to go out with the warriors to nurse the injured and provide water to the thirsty. Amwaraka bint Harith participated in gathering the Quran and providing her nursing services to the warriors at the Battle of Badr in 624 CE. The production of astrolabes, historically used by astronomers and navigators to measure the inclined position in the sky of a celestial body, day or night, was practiced by al-Ailiya bint al-Ailiy al-Asturlabi, who was employed at the court of Saif al-Dallah, one of the Hamdanid rulers in northern Syria, who guarded the frontier with the Byzantine Empire in the 10th century CE. In Muslim civilization, no woman who had held power had borne the title of caliph or imam as caliph had been a title exclusively reserved to a minority of men. However, this did not stop the women to rule through titles such as sultanas and malikas, queens. Sid al-Mulk, 970-1023, the Fatimid princess in Egypt, carried out virtually all the functions of caliph, and directed the affairs of the empire effectively as regent for her nephew, who was too young to rule. Shajarat al-Dur was the widow of the Ayyubid sultan as Sali Ayyub who played a crucial role after his death during the Seventh Crusade against Egypt, 1249-1250. She was a military leader and a sultana during the period in which she reigned, which included the shift of the Egyptian sultanate from the Ayyubids to the Mamluks in the 1250s. In the midst of this hectic environment, Shajarat al-Dur rose to preeminence, 
re-established political stability and held on to political power for seven years.